to Manuel. Pass it goes towards the near post and puts it off the glove and in. Golden boots, my goodness, tied for the lead lead and scoring from a set piece. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the review of Week 19 in the box in the Canadian Premier League. This is indeed the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Show. My name is Christian Jack, and this, of course, is always presented by our friends at Volkswagen. What a weekend it was where the lights of Hollywood shine bright again in the peg. Vancouver Football Club had some bizarre hero to thank for a derby win. Benny banged in a beauty to rescue Forge. Try saying that three times. And a Kios. William Akio, that is, sorted an early TKO on York in Calgary. Let's take a look at the results from Week 19 that started on Friday night in Winnipeg as Atletico Ottawa climbed there, continued to climb up the table with an outstanding performance. Sam Salter and Oli Bassett with a brace was enough to win 3-1 over Valor. Marcello Polisi's fantastic strike, not enough for the Winnipeg side. A five-goal thriller at a fantastic derby on Saturday in Langley as Mickey Cantav and Gabby Bittar with a brace was enough to deny Pacific, who had goals to Thomas Mia Jagir and Gennaro Daniels on Saturday night in Hamilton a share of the spoils between Forge and Halifax Benny Badibanga and Dan Nimick the goal scorers in that one and on Sunday Cavalry 2 York United 1 Ali Musi and Willie Akio enough to deny Clement Bahia's goal for Martin Nash his side that is where we start this week Cavalry they go back to the start to the top of the CPL standings with two early goals in each half, in each half, and we bring in our very own Mitchell Tierney for this one. Mitch, great to see you. Uh, they were not always great in this game. They had a tough week with illness, I believe. Uh, but fast starts, tactical shifts, key adjustments. Uh, Daly and Akio coming on, making a difference. Saw Tommy Wilden Jr. once again put his mark on this one. What went right for the Cavs, and overall, what did you like about the game? Well, what went right was, you know, they scored uh, 34 seconds into the match, obviously, uh, as good of a start as you, you could imagine. But uh, they kind of struggled after that, uh, you know, to kind of build out in, in the new formation. They were playing with with three at the back and then a two sitting in front of that. Uh, there, there maybe wasn't enough uh, verticality and, and ability to make the ball stick from there. So, um they struggled from from then on, and, and York were able to have some good moments, but that really changed when when Jesse Daly replaced a, an injured Charlie Trafford, which might have been part of the problem, as he he kind of got hurt on on the first goal, and um, they were able to to have a little bit more of the ball. Then Akio comes on at at the half, they shift closer to the four two three one, and Akio does what Akio does in the Canadian Premier League this season, which is make an instant impact and uh, score his fourth goal of the season. And uh, Calvary were able to to hold on despite uh, a late goal from Clément Baia. And you know, given what happened last week, that was important for Calvary, but also for me a little bit disappointing from from York um, to not put more pressure on Cavalry late considering, um, you know, it would be in their mind that they blew a two goal lead against Valor last weekend. So um, I think that, uh, yeah, in the end, uh, Cavalry did enough, but 
um, some questions about York going forward. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into that in a second. Um, and a reminder for those watching us live, please put your questions in on any team, anything Canadian soccer. We'll try and get to some of that during the next 45 minutes or so. Uh, before we hear from some more reaction from the stadium, Mitch, who were you mentioned some of the collective there? Who were some of the greats? Time for the list of your greats. Which players stood out above the rest for you in this one? Yeah, I think the the man of the match certainly has to go to Dan Klomp, who uh, in that those transitional moment, moments when York tried to break forward, you know, he'd step out of that line, make some really, really big tackles to deny them. And um, just an excellent season from him. And this is one of his better performances. I think Daly really impacted the match as well um, when he came on. Um, you know, again, they were able to be a little bit better possessionally. He's just so good at, at adding to that press up front uh, and, and making things difficult for York to play out from the back. And uh, Bradley Camden uh, sets up the goal and, and did really well, I think, in, in that newer wingback role at getting forward and, and providing some some width there. Akio off the bench, uh, excellent again. Um, you know, so much energy and and directness for, from him. And uh, yeah, he, just his ability to cut off that wing and, and get centrally and kind of bully defenders has, has been incredible. And then, you know, I've, I've liked what Clem Malay has done lately for York. Um, maybe not... Um, always decisive in the final third but a really well-taken goal and he was certainly their most dangerous player um, during the match yeah he certainly was the best player for the visitors no doubt and he deserved his goal a great finish by the way uh in the roof of the net past marco carducci i uh, don't look now but here come the Cavs. uh willie akio four goals in four as you mentioned uh shamit shomas played three games in a row from the start for the first time and has been very very good and another player who's back and healthy and very good at this level as well i uh, to take cavalry to another level is callum montgomery he just got his second start after getting injured earlier this season and we go back to spruce meadows at cofield to hear from callum after this one on the new system and playing in the back line for Tommy Wilton Jr. I think I think we have three, you know, me, Copsa, and Columbia. We can all defend well, pretty mobile. Um, and it also is a great base to play from and build out of. You know, we have some very dynamic midfielders and it gives us some width out wide with the, I guess you could say, wing backs and stuff. So um, it's, a, it's a great formation. I really enjoy playing on the left. It's a position where you can drive in and find the guys in the pockets and you know clumpy is one of the best in the league and he's been fantastic this year of stepping and kind of breaking that wave of pressure on the on the build um it also gives you a, a base to play from defensively in transition moments with a three two sometimes though i think we give spaces out wide potentially is kind of the the one flaw of it so we were kind of you know in transition moments and we were just went letting the ball stick today at times um you know, when we go forward, we needed to hold it up a little bit better and kind of get under and build from those platforms. So I think that's one thing we can look at trying to be better next week. Interesting stuff from Callum Montgomery, who sounds eerily like Mitchell Tierney. Uh, <laughs> he's probably got a better left foot than you, though, Mitch, no? Oh, most certainly. My left foot is for standing on only. Very, very well said. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about these guys. Uh, that's seven wins in their last 10. Um They've changed the system a little bit. They're getting different players in. The talk we talked about their depth. For you right now, on what is it, August twenty-one? Are they the favorites to win the league? Well, I think we're about to find out. Is you know they play the four teams I think that are trailing, or three teams I guess that are trailing them, uh, or four? No, it is four in order: Pacific, Ottawa, Forge, Halifax. Uh, three of them are away from home, and you know we always talk about this team. 
when the lights are brightest, um, will they be able to perform? Well, they're about to get pretty bright. Uh, so we'll see how they perform under that. But to answer the question, I think right now, yes. I think Cavalry have the the edge in the race. Uh, we talked last week about the 15 in the sense of the 15 points they've dropped from winning positions. Well, they've now scored first in 15 of 20 matches. Uh, mm. 16, if you include uh, that can champ loss to Pacific on penalties. So now it's you know about uh, controlling those situations and, and building on those leads, and you know they've certainly been better at that in recent weeks than they were to start the season. And um, I just think there's there's more depth that's showing up now. You mentioned a number of the players, Montgomery, Shome, Accio, who are, who are coming back um, and performing incredibly well, especially uh, Accio and. Um, big question mark now, Camargo, who came on and then off in this match. I, I think their offense is is different class with him in it. And uh, if he can't go that much the rest of the season, that, that's an issue. And then U21 minutes with Antigua out, but Mile um, Henry was really good. So those are the two concerns for me. But overall, I think this is a team that, again, uh, for the most part, are in control of matches um, and you know have the depth to, to really be able to ride out some some big matches coming up. Fantastic answer. Numbers to back up your analysis. And we got an answer out here as well, folks. He said yes <laughs> to the favorite. So I, lo- I-, I love that. Uh, talking of answers, never want to shy away from giving honest truths. Uh, Tommy Wilden Jr., here's his thoughts after this one on the victory and, of course, uh, the adaptability sometimes in the changing of system of the Cavs. We always have a principle of play, um, but we literally looked at what players we had available, what players were fully fit, and we adapted a system around it and then the opponent coming in. We're literally playing the best away team in the league against, I think, we the best home team in the league. So we knew it was going to be a fight and we didn't want to use our disadvantages against us. So we found a system that we felt would work and then we had to adapt it again, like I said, when, when Charlie and then when Sergio. But, um, yeah, it worked today, right? There's uh, no pitches on the scorecard. Three points is three points. Three points indeed. Top of the table for Cavalry. One team not top and looking up is York United. Um, Thomas asks in the chat, are the top five naturally pulling away now? York obviously can claw big. It's not the tallest of mountains, but given Halifax and Ottawa's form, is it starting to look too much of a challenge? Now we have to say they've got some home games coming up. That will certainly help and tilt them maybe back in their favor, Mitch. Um, They've just come off a very difficult road uh, run where they've had three away games in a row and difficult opponents at that, obviously in Ottawa, Forge and Cavalry. Um, this was all about the slow start, though, no? I mean, is it still a chance for them to get in it? Are they playing well, you know, aside from some of those sloppy goals that they're giving away? Well, for pretty much every other team in the league, you'd say home field is an advantage. But even though they have five of the last seven, they're the only team in the league who have less than a point per game at home this season. So that's what they need to to change in a hurry. And yeah, I think by and large, like their last three matches, they've been good against three very good teams who are in playoff spots right now. But it's just been those moments of of switching off and defensive errors that, you know, really cost them. And then once those goals are in, it's always going to be a mountain to climb. And, you know, they, they have been climbing them. They've been getting back in games. And, you know, they scored three goals their past two matches before this one. They, they had moments where they looked like they could come back in this one. But, you know, as as we've mentioned with with Valor the weeks before and giving up early goals, like this isn't a way that's conducive to consistently winning. So uh, that's an issue. And then the U21 minutes, I mean, it always is going to loom large. And you see in the, the 67th minute after they've scored um, their goal, they need to use that substitution window to bring on uh, Carson Bushman-Dorman and, and Noah Batne um, when maybe in a perfect world, they would have preferred to, to bring on some more experienced attackers. So, 
Um, that's a, that's an issue that they find themselves in. So, look, I mean, there's still their attack is waking up. That's one positive for them. Uh, I think you know Thomas also mentioned the wingers have been looking great recently, and that's that's mm-hmm. true. And Wright's been much better. Um, but at the same time, if you can't cut out those moments, uh, you know, it, it's going to more often than not end up in in losses. And they need, you know, a lot of points now. Uh, even if it's just three, there's so many teams uh, log jam there that it's it's going to be difficult to pass any of them. We will remember Martin Nash was once an assistant under Tommy Wilden. He's now the gaffer. Let's go back to Calgary and hear from him after this one on his side, giving away a couple of bad goals early in the first half and second half. I thought we were able to pin him in late, but you know, and we got the the one goal back. But it was always an uphill battle, and you know, he, we put a corner straight out of play, and you, you know, those chances need to go in the box, and you need to to make something of them, and we just weren't able to. We got into, like I say, good areas at the end, but the quality wasn't there, and uh, you know, so unfortunate. I think uh, for us, the the game was lost in the first minute of the first half and the first two minutes of the second half. That's the reaction from the gaffer. What about player reaction? Here's former Cavalry midfielder himself, York United midfielder, Elijah Adekubi. I mean, to me, it was simple. First couple minutes of both halves, we just, I don't think we started as well as we could have. I mean, obviously the goals take that into account. First goal comes after 40 seconds, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the second half, the next one comes after two minutes. So if we start a little bit better, avoid those mistakes, I think we give ourselves a better chance of coming away with the three points. But when you start both, both halves going down a goal, you just make the challenge so much bigger than it needs to be. We rallied, we tried our best, but ultimately against a good side, if you give yourself that much work to do, it's, it's ultimately a lot harder of a challenge. It's not all doom and gloom, though, for York. Short week, Friday night against Vancouver, a team they lost to when they hosted them last time early in the season. But if they win on Friday because they go first this week, they're back in the playoffs, at least for temporarily a few hours, at least. All right, time for a new segment as we get down the stretch here. I'm going to ask each of our correspondents at the end of their analysis. Um, randomly, we're going to pick one of the postseason awards, and I just want one of you guys to come up with a potential nominee for this, Mitch. So you have no idea who you're going to get. Let me put the... Uh, <laughs> awards into the random machine and yes, there's a wheel number... i knew there was a wheel <laughs> here we go uh give me a number one it's going to be defender of the year Ooh. so uh any nominee for defender of the year right now yeah i'll go considering his performance and i'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit later dan nimick um just been so solid this year for for halifax in a back line that's you know starting to all player penalties now there's so much to like about dan nimick so i'll go with him okay good choice uh we'll see if anything comes up from the rest of them on defender of the year and if you get defender of the year again next week you have to name a different answer uh that's the name of the rules mitch as ever continue the great work at campia.ca we'll chat with you next week we continue our journey from the top down in the standings and this takes us now to second place pacific fc after, quite frankly, a demoralizing loss to Neighbors Vancouver FC on Saturday in Langley. Uh, our man, Alex Ganguruzic, was there for us. AGR, great to see you again. Uh, you're covering all the history right now, West Coast. League One, different derbies. Now you see Vancouver win the derby, which is fantastic to see as well. Um, what would you give this one and its compelling factor and why? What a game this was at to be, I'm sure. 
Absolutely. I think so far uh, we've been pretty spoiled with the three derbies. You had a 1-0 thriller in the, the first game late late winter. We, we, we know that one. Then you had a 6-3 just back and forth chaotic affair. And then this one probably fell somewhere in between. But I mean, lead changes, uh, you know, some good fight an early goal from Vancouver made things interesting. I'd probably say this is close to an eight or nine. I, I'd honestly push uh, a nine. And I think it was overall just a, a, a good showing from uh, from Vancouver in particular. You kind of wondered how, uh, you know, a derby like this would go. They've kind of, you know, been a, been in a run of bad form. Pacific is, has, is, has had their number early on. They, they're, they're looking to push on the table. But Vancouver wanted it more on the day. It felt like they kind of, you kind of saw it in the lead up to the week on social media. You saw the banter and they backed it up on the, the field. And you have to give credit to that because... Uh, as the eighth place team where they are in the standings, they easily could have come in and, and maybe not been at a hundred percent, but they were, they were more than a hundred percent. And in the end, I think a victory is a fair result. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, they've made a lot of changes this season, Vancouver, and they figured out who's with them, who's not you either in or you're out. And they've moved quite a few people out. Right. And, I think they did it for moments like this, you know, in particular during the game for one soccer, when they, when they let in the second goal and they were, it was two, one, most of the time you think it's game over, particularly for a younger team at that point. Look, they got their breaks. We're going to get into Gazdov and Pacific's problems in a second. You've got to earn your breaks, though. Um, but this felt a little bit more like a game where the previous Vancouver earlier this season would not have been able to have the leaders, Irving getting them ready, Diaz talking them uh, on the field. Age. Did you get to see that really in person? You could see that they're a bit more mature to believe. Absolutely. And I think there's two factors. I think the first one is just the overall performance. I think every week I watch them, it's better. And I think, for example, that first half they played was by far the best I've seen from this season. Just if you, if you ever, if anyone has a chance to watch back the first goal, don't just watch it back on the highlights, go back on the, the, the replay. About two minutes before, it was just up and down and up and down in possession. Vancouver completely just—it it was a clinic. It was—I was—we were all in the press box, sitting, looking at each other, like, "Who is this Vancouver team?" They're going up and down and side to side. I think everyone on the field got a touch before the first goal, and it was some great—you know—it was just great football. But then, yeah, like you mentioned, the resilience. Where, yeah, the last five games—I've I've said it pretty much, other than the Halifax loss. That has been their best five-game stretch. They just weren't taking advantage of chances. They weren't, uh, you know, being clinical enough. They're allowing some sloppy opportunities. The the fact that you know they finally kind of put it together. They they got the goals. They got the you know again that was just the second time they've scored three goals all season. Funnily enough, both against Pacific, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then but you also get the defending. You, uh, you you really shut down Pacific. The midfield battle was you know phenomenal. I thought uh, Manny Aparicio, Sean Young, some of those midfielders barely got a sniff. Uh, you know, did it with the with the forwards. It was just overall a complete performance, and I think is one where Vancouver deserved it. And then, you know, like you said, they went out and got what they deserve, which they haven't always done this year. They certainly did. Let's go back to uh, Langley, BC, and hear from their head coach. Here's Ashvin Gopi. Oh, I'm so uh, touched by uh, not only the the spirit that the boys came back from uh, leading the game. Uh, normally, we were, I think, in control, and then to take two goals in the way in the fashion you took it and then bounce back from that. I feel it took tremendous uh, you know, belief, confidence, spirit, and, and Gabby, uh, all people to come and do it off the bench. Uh, I'm really happy for him and happy for all the players. But mostly I'm really uh, proud of our fans because 
through a lot of difficult times, they've stuck with this team, they've supported this team, and to see them so happy after this match uh, means a lot to me. Uh, this derby is a special derby for so many different reasons, and I think this victory will just add more uh, history and texture, and in my opinion, uh, more uh, uh, interesting stories for the, the upcoming derbies. And, and uh, Canadian football and, and football in all countries need these kind of stories, these derbies. Amen to that, Ashvin. And of course, we'll fuel the continued belief of that squad as well. Uh, time for a list of greats. AGR, you mentioned a few things there that you liked. Uh, who stood out individually for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think to to start, there's on Vancouver. I thought Vasco Fry continues to 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 just grow into to, to this new role since coming over since Whitecaps too. He had some passes in the first half that got the stadium up in in, in awe. I think there was this one outside the boot pass. He played a, out to the right wing that that had a, a few people just excited with with what he was able to put up. I think I mean Callum Irving and goal made some huge saves when the the game was uh, maybe not in Vancouver's favor. That save he made on Sean Young was was ginormous just in terms of first of all the how close it was, and then it was a two two game. Pacific scores that you kind of feel it's game over. Um, so I definitely think Callum Irving had a strong performance. Um, you know, Mickey Cantav as well had, had a good, you know, performance kind of in a return to the lineup after not starting. So there's a few guys uh, across the board for, for Vancouver put in the shift. And then, of course, Gabriel Batar off the bench, just great super sub. Anytime you play, I think it was 14, 16 minutes was the final tally. Uh, he, he had 10 touches, two goals. I think you can't complain in terms of an attacking performance uh, like that. And then, for Pacific, it, it was a bit of a quiet game, but I thought Kakuta Mane had probably one of his best performances of the year. And he, you know, it, it kind of showed that at halftime, James Merriman went to Salouf and it was for Adonijah Reed and not Kakuta Mane. And I think that was a good vote of confidence uh, for, for Kakuta Mane. But otherwise, Thomas Mayer gets his goal and, and overall was a bit of a leader back there, but for the most part, a quiet game across the board. Yeah, not the best. We'll get into Pacific in a second. And one thing on Mane, he had the beating of Rocco Romeo at one point, and Romeo just grabbed his shirt, and Mane went down. Questionable whether it was a penalty or not. But I just, I want to see Mane like just carry on, like keep going. You had the, you, you, you were in. Uh, and I think a more confident and more minutes behind Kakuta Mane will probably see the the ability to back himself and not fall down in those moments. You mentioned Batar. He was the player of the match for a good reason. Let's go back and listen to what he had to say after this one. Yeah, I mean it was a. I mean, that was probably one of the best first half we played all season. So, I mean, honestly, we had a great game. I think just two really two bad mistakes. And Pacific's a great team. They're going to capitalize when they make some mistakes. And they did just that. So, I mean, from from a team effort, I thought we were perfect. And like you said, we were we were really well organized. And we stopped anything. They really, uh, they really sh uh, shot at us. So, we did well today. Clearly a real contrast in styles out, out west in BC. One side very happy, another one nowhere near happy and nowhere near uh, content with what the performance was as well. Let's go back and hear from Pacific FC Gaffer. Here's the thoughts of James Merriman. I don't understand um, our lack of motivation and, and desire to, to take games, to take points, to, to finish when we're attacking. Um, we spoke a lot about what we wanted to do and I don't I don't see it and I don't feel it, especially going forward. Um, we need to we need to want to score goals more. Um, and then on, on the other side, we we concede three. So a uh, really disappointing day. Um, need to need to, need to see it back, but I don't understand the I don't understand our lack of motivation in, to, to score goals. 
Absolutely fascinating comments again from James. There's so many places to go here. It's probably one of the biggest storylines in the league unquestionably right now at AGR. He talked a lot first about the lack of motivation and the ability to finish games. I think they've got an XG of 15 in the last 11 games and they scored nine goals uh, or something like that. Anyway, so round about those numbers. Um, they're not converting. They had a golden opportunity to put this game out of sight. Ongaro had a couple of great chances. Uh, and I want to run this stat by you as well before I ask what you think of the concerns. The last nine games in the Canadian Premier League, Atletico Ottawa 20 points, Cavalry 18, Halifax 16, Forge 15, York 9, Valor 8, Pacific 8, Vancouver 7. Uh, that's nine games. That's been going on for a while. They are down there, not even in the with the playoff teams at the moment, AGR. Most people think they'll be fine. They're going to be in the playoffs. Um, but this slide is a little concerning. What's the major concern for you? Yeah, well, I mean, another one, two wins in nine games, I think it is as well, right? Like that's that's not exactly the, you compare it to Ottawa, Cavalry, everyone around them, everyone's soaring right now. And it, it feels multifaceted for, for Pacific because uh, I think for me, the big one has also been defensively. Because I think offensively, look, I think these sorts of patches happen. I think overall, from what we've seen of them, I think they're too talented to not you have it even out over the course of a season. I think we've kind of seen that that when they've been in form, they'll score goals. But also, if I call back to their stretch where they won about four or five in a row, look at the scores from those games. Those weren't, of course, they had that 6-3 against Vancouver in there, but it was a 1-0 against Forge. It was a 1-0 against Valor. I'm pretty sure there's another 1-0 uh, against there somewhere. Against your when they were, there you go. Yeah, it was another. It was just a run of 1-0s. It was defending. It was just the overall team defense, that the, the press, the back four everything was just kind of clicking. And I think they've really lost their way defensively. And look, it's something where their offense is, I think, again, like we've seen, the XG speaks for itself when they, the, the outbursts they've had. They've got a, a very deep offense, but they also kind of haven't had a guy to step up. And not saying you need a kind of a guy to go out and score and, and, and win you games. I mean, the, it's something where you can absolutely score by committee. But what that means is in moments like this, say, look, you're up against Vancouver. It's a 2-2 game you need someone to step up and get that goal. You're kind of wondering who is it, right? You can look at at everyone and ask questions. Like Adonijah Reed has been playing great. He's been getting good pockets. He's underperforming his XG by almost two this year, I think I saw, which is, you know, it's surprising. Someone like Easton Ngaro, he's kind of been better off the bench and uh, has also, uh, you know, had had moments of, of, of just underperformance in front of goal. Eamon Salouf is, you know, you're still debating, is he best off the bench? Is he, is he best as a starter? Kakuta Mane is still finding his feet. You're looking at all those attackers in, in, in harmony in, 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 together. It's an attack that when it's on, it's on. It's, uh, we've seen it. It's, it can be destructive. But I think with the lack of main presence in terms of, okay, who is the guy who's going to go out and score you the goals? Heck, just look at the example when they had those run of penalties. They, they missed yeah. the penalties because you almost don't even know who's right. going to take the penalties. You know who's going to take them. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a great look point. at that. And then defensively, it's something where, yeah, it, I think defensively has been what's let them down. I think the the XG uh, against has gone up, the goals against has gone up, and, and yeah, they just the, those kind of two factors kind of tie in for, for me personally. 
Really good team, uh, underperforming at the moment. The talent's there, and this is the stretch that they can turn it around very quickly. Um, but one of those big question marks as well as the, all that attacking questions that AGR mentioned is, of course, in goal. Gazdov at fought for at least two of the three, a very difficult day for him. And that was part of the big panel discussion that I had alongside Jordan Wilson and Adam Jenkins after the game on One Soccer. Uh, here's part of that discussion from Saturday. Gazdov starts the year and he came in as a 19 year old he was going to always have to prove himself and find those moments but now we saw him earlier in the season play himself out of that number one job basket came in I don't think that he took that opportunity with both hands KJ but you see a performance like this tonight and now Jordan you're asking yourself again basket has to start the next game doesn't he I'd say so look they're 10 and 10 basket has played 10 okay and Gazdov has played 10 as well no one has taken the number one jersey as, so far, in my opinion. I think Gazdov, yes, he's young and he still has a lot to learn. But you're also, you have to look at the specific side. This is the, the biggest weakness. Yeah, I can break down going forward and how they attack. And maybe they need players to a killer in the box. But when you're going from Callum Irving, who was tried and true, who played with confidence, who, who showed up big for Pacific, and they won a North Star Shield, this is their weakest position. So no shade to Gazdov. To basket, but someone, one of them needs to step up going into this run because you can't think if you get by Didich or if you get by any of the defenders and you shoot on goal, it's going in. That is insecurity one-on-one for a defender. For me, I just want a keeper behind me that is going to make the saves that they should make. And either it be gas, gassed off or basket, one of them needs to step up. Yeah, look, this is... The, the, this is undoubtedly their number one big problem. Undoubtedly, and it has been since the start of the season. Um, they've left a lot of points on the table. And by the way, they didn't leave one today, they left three. Mm-hmm. So that's another three points they've left on the table. They should, be got, they should be a lot higher than they are. But this is the fork in the road in the Canadian Premier League when it comes to the one road is development mm-hmm. and one road is results, right? You've got a 19-year-old there that everybody I talk to is singing his praises. They've got a new goalkeeping coach who's travelled all around the world, Pedro Guerrero, who I spoke to in Halifax, who loves Gazdov, okay? Goalkeepers make mistakes. I think he made three today, mm-hmm. and it's cost him three points. And that young kid, he's 19, he's going to be absolutely dejected, and it's going to be really difficult to pick him up. And James Merriman, Pedro Guerrero, that whole staff has got to think, what do we do now? Because they've already benched him once. I don't think you can do it again and again. If he doesn't play next week, for me, it's Basket has to play the rest of the season. Right. So that's why it's very difficult. And, and look, you can see in Merriman's face, he's not the only reason why they lost today, by the way. We're going to go into that and show some of the chances. They, 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 they should have been out of sight. Ongaro had a couple of clear chances. There's a lot of players there that have let that team down today, in my opinion, and let their manager down. Uh, but Gazdov, I feel for him. But as I said, there's a lot of people who think very highly of him. But at 19... It's a difficult, delicate situation, but it is that Canadian Premier League development versus outcomes. You've got to get it balanced. And I'll say something quickly. Benching a striker or a winger or a midfielder and benching a goalkeeper are two different things. Mm. You bench a keeper that says, I don't have any trust in you. You can't be flip-flopping. You have to almost choose. So James Merriman, this is a big decision because you had a crossroads for the last quarter of a season. And Pacific, I think we all can agree that they're going to be a playoff team if they just take care of business for the most part. Right Where they fall, we don't know. But sorting that keeper situation out is so crucial. Crucial, as as Jordan Wilson would say at the end of it, AGR. Um, All right, let's go to the final question. Time for your award nominee question. I'm going to spin the wheel. Let's get some uh, award going here. Let's press it again. You've got manager of the year, AGR. So uh, throw me a nominee right now for for, for our way. 
Oh, we'll have to go for, for the new face. I think Patrice Geyser, the, the fact where he's taken this Halifax team in just year one, uh, the, the, the football that they play, the buy-in he's got across the board, the fact that they're not just in a playoff push like would have been a dream scenario for you know the Haligonians, but they're in a title push and they've got some, some exciting players off the board. So I think to look anywhere but Patrice Geyser, one of the nominees would feel uh, wrong at this stage. I like it. Okay. Listen, always appreciate your work. Great job. Keep it up. And we'll chat with you again next week. Thanks a lot, Alex. A reminder, you can still play CPL Predictor Weekly, brought to you by our friends at Tony Bet, big supporters, of course, of Canadian soccer. Campiel.ca backslash predictor, where you can choose the correct scores, win $20,000, up to $20,000, tickets to games. It's all there on the website. And of course, we thank our friends at Volkswagen for this great show. Next, we head to Winnipeg, Manitoba, where Atletico Ottawa have stormed into the top three for the first time this season. And boy, oh boy, Benedict Rose, did they do it in an impressive manner in this one. Great to see you, Benny. What went right for them? What did you like about this one? Yeah, it was a very complete performance, I think, from Ottawa. It was, it was one where, you know, Carlos Gonzalez has been speaking about it for, for a few weeks now, where it's just they need to get everything right in order to make the surge up the table and in this game, you know, they had the attackers firing. They had the, the defenders playing as well as kind of expect them to. And that kind of Ottawa blueprint of playing on the road, I guess, where you, you hit them on the counterattack and then you, you know, focus on defending and and, and solidify things at the back. And uh, it's worked for them for, you know, the better part of two seasons now. And it did again in Winnipeg on Friday night. It definitely did. We're going to get an Ollie Bassett in a second. But, you know, wide areas on a big pitch, Asi. Uh, De Santos, who scored earlier this season, always plays well there. Uh, certainly helped, but a bit of a disappointing day for Ryan Yesley, who's had a fantastic season, but just happened to probably have his biggest errors at the wrong time all at once. Yeah, you're right. I think all three of these goals, he probably thinks he would have done better. Um, on the second goal, you just saw he he let it slip through his fingers on the free kick. If you're watching on YouTube, you just saw Ali Bassett. He kind of sees Yesley maybe cheating a bit, going to the back post and and looking for a cross, and, and Bassett just has the, the wherewithal, I guess, to put it at the front post and tucks it into the top left corner. And on the first goal, he, he was maybe wasn't as tight to his, his near post as he would have liked to be either on Sam Salter's goal. So uh, you're right, yes, he's had a, a great season, but uh, this one is one he'll want to forget, I think. Yeah, we'll get into Valor again in a second. Let's talk more about Atletico Otto. I want to hear your thoughts on them in a second, but uh, they are flying and full of confidence. Let's go back to IG Field in Winnipeg. Some reaction from their gaffer. Here's Carlos Gonzalez. Well, you know, I'm very proud of the of the win. As you said, it's a very big one after a, a very short week of preparation and with a really long trip on Sunday and and playing in a difficult field. So big credit to to what the players did today. I think that they they played a very consistent game and we were very solid again and we show a, a good image of, of, of the type of team that we have to be until the end of the season. So so very happy for, for that, for the effort that the players are putting every every single minute on the field. Okay, Ben, let's get into it. Carlos Gonzalez says, a very good image of what we want to see on the field. Uh, I think I know what that is. And obviously we know defensively how important it is to them and how difficult they are to break down. Um, they are still last in the league, by the way, in opposition touches. It, it touches in the opposition's box away from home, last. Um, but we have seen a significant upgrade in their attack over the second half of the season so far for example in the first 10 games of the season they only scored two or more twice in a game uh two or more twice out of two out of ten now they've scored two or more in seven of their last 10 games so something's clicking for them no offensively 
Yeah, I think you know, we saw this last year with them as well. We wanted to see them sort of evolve, I guess, instead of just being a defensive team to, to maybe have more things going in attack. And I think over these last you know half of the season so far, like the last 10 games, I guess, uh, we've seen it in the wide areas, I think has been uh, really especially important. John Daniel SC has taken another big step forward, I think, this season. He's been excellent. Johnny Dos Santos, as you mentioned, he's been has been good on the left since he's been back the last couple of games. And uh, you know, I think they'll be even even better in that regard when they get someone like Max Tiso back, who can who can also help on that left wing. Um, I think I think you know the wide areas are somewhere where I don't think they necessarily struggled last year, but maybe weren't as effective. Obviously, the blue tabla um, kind of doing his thing, but I think now they have threats on both sides of the pitch, and you know, any player that they know they can sort of rotate into this team, they know can make a big impact on the attack. That segues great into my next question. Benny, time for a list of greats on either side for you. And, uh, you know, which player stood out above the rest? Yeah, one of them was John Agnelasi. You saw on the first goal against uh, for, for Sam Salter, that amazing run he made and, and the low pass into, pass into the box for, for Salter. And uh, he was excellent all night long. He won a lot of his battles on, on his right wing. Uh, Ollie Bassett, you know, the main man there, he has been for again, the better part of two seasons now. Um, you know, two goals. He, he was excellent in this game. Uh, and then Nate Ingham as well. I thought he was excellent in goal. Uh, All-State Nate, as, as people have been calling him recently. <laughs> big couple big saves in this game. Uh, he was excellent. And then uh, for Valor, uh, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Marcelo Polisi as well. But these last few weeks, you know, the results haven't necessarily been going Valor's way, but uh, they need a veteran leader to kind of step up and, and be a leader on that team. I think he's been doing exactly that and scored his first professional goal with a, a really nice one from distance. I'm pretty sure Ingham prefers Allstate Nate to Nady Bird, which got a nickname when he was a kid because some other kid had Nathan and he didn't really, apparently didn't know what else to call him and it stuck. Um, by the way, shout out also to Zapater and Iliadis in midfield, who I thought were tremendous. And that's allowing Bassett to get a little bit further forward and really become this dyna- dynamic attacking player. Uh, you talked about it, uh, player of the match and a contender again for player of the week. Let's go back to IG field and hear from Oliver Bassett himself on his improved play over the last few weeks. I think overall, maybe, um, the last three weeks, um, you know, the kind of from the Vancouver game, sorry, after the Vancouver game, um, you know, we played Calgary at home, Halifax away and York at home. Um, I don't think I was good enough in them games, if I'm being honest, but I think the last two games I've kind of took my level um, back up and yeah I think overall you know I've got to be happy with how I'm performing at the moment but um, you know we have eight games left and yeah I just want to try and do as well as I can from now until the end of the season um, and yeah just try and help this team um, as much as we can and hopefully um, you know with, with goals and assists um, we can be up there um, come the uh, last game of the season. Talking of goals, um, Ottawa got their opening goal in the 11th minute, which was just seconds after the 10-minute mark ticked over again. And again, it was deja vu in Winnipeg. Uh, here's Philip DeSantos on that and the fact that they continued to give away far too many early goals. Yeah, seven times now in the first 15 minutes. There's no... We speak about it. We... Look, it's a, a mental discharge. Those things are not... Those things are not, uh, you know, you, you, you try to recreate scenarios, you try to change things uh, to see how, how the guys are going to come into games. I, I don't think there's, there's a reason. I think, uh, I think that, you know, you look at how we entered the game, I felt that we came in well. Um, we were on top of them 
and then you know a goal that we absolutely need to uh, to, to deal with. Um, that's a, a routine sequence, and we didn't deal with it. So, the end of the day, it's about making the place, Benedict. That's football. It's a game of moments. You could dominate possession. You could dominate every statistic of the game. If you do not deal with the moments, well, you're going to lose games. That's as simple as it is. Tough time for Philip de Santos. XG was almost identical for anyone who didn't watch the game to tell the story. Those who did will, will remember Walter Ponce having not one, not two, but three really good chances, Benny. Um, then now, I think, nine points back with eight to play. Looks like maybe a mountain too hard to climb. But did they do enough here to see that maybe they can still put a bit of a run in together? Uh, I don't think they did enough in this game. I think they did enough in, in the game last week against Calvary to show that you know they can go toe to toe with the best teams in this league. And you know, nine points in eight games isn't impossible. You know, they they could do that in, in a few weeks if, if they have a good run and someone above them falters a little bit. But uh, yeah, nine points in, in eight games is going to be a very tough, uh, very tall mountain to climb for sure. All right, final question, and let's go to my random spinning wheel here for Benedict to give me an award-winning nominee uh, at this point as we head down the stretch. Oh, we have our first repeat. We've got Defender of the Year, and you can't use Nimic because he's been taken, Benny. Uh, so uh, do you have a nominee for us at this point? Who's been who's been catching your eye as a defender? I'll go for Dan Klomp at Calvary. I think he's been excellent again this season. He's <clears throat> excuse me, he's playing in a, in a role this year where you know, he he can get on the ball more and he can play, play football more, I guess, than, than he could in previous years. He's playing a center back instead of right back as well. His more comfortable position, and I think he's been you know rock solid all season long. Love that answer. So we have single A Dan and double A Dan right now for the award nominees for Defender of the Year uh, in our show at the moment as we continue to look down the stretch in the last few weeks of this one. Benny, great work as ever. Read his work at campia.ca and a great feature uh, this week on Tom Field that you can read there on his wonderful recovery back to playing football. Uh, as Benny does, he tells a story like very few others can. I appreciate your work, Benedict. Final stop of the show takes us to Hamilton where it was fourth versus fifth at the time of Kickoff and in the end, Charlie O'Connor Clark, welcome. It ended the same way, fourth versus fifth, but in between it was tense, it was tight, and as you said, it felt like the playoffs. No, it did. Uh, it had some of those factors that, that you see in a playoff game, and not just that all of the goals are from set pieces. Um, it has that kind of opening stage where these teams are feeling each other out, they know each other very well at this point in the season. Uh, these two coaches know each other incredibly well. Bobby Spirniotis and Patrice Geyser have known each other for years, and they seem to be trying to figure one another out. Um, and then it, it just gets intense and it gets fiery. There's a lot of yellow cards in this game. There's quite a lot of physicality in this game. Uh, but it was it was an entertaining one. And I think part of the reason for it to feel like a, a playoff kind of atmosphere or kind of kind of energy and, and intensity was because that's what Halifax wanted specifically and that's right. what patrice geyser said after the game that you know he says if you train like it's a game and if you play a game like it's a playoff game then once it actually is a playoff game you're not nervous or anxious and you can just play like you have been uh in the the weeks and months prior so i think that a lot of credit is is certainly due to halifax for the way they approached this game against a, a difficult forge team uh but also you know to forge for finding their way back in via that that moment of magic from benny Badi banga incredible incredible set piece goal and kind of the the confidence you need to step up and take that ball from someone like a Kyle Becker or even a, a Tristan Borges is on the pitch at that point that says a lot about where he is already in his arrival at this club 
Yeah, that's a that's a really really great point. We're going to hear from him shortly as well. And there's a lot to get into about how about Hamilton and Forge at the set at the moment. But let's talk Halifax. Uh, they had the lead. They had the chance to jump into third. Um, do you think it was a case of two points dropped and a missed opportunity, or more seeing how fast they've come from where they, they once were? Was it more of a point gained and more confidence in terms of believing that they shouldn't really fear anybody? I think that's definitely what they'll feel this week once they arrive home and they kind of look back at this game. I mean, you do look at it as last time they went to Hamilton, the same thing kind of happened mm-hmm. where they take a lead and, and that time it was Massimo Ferran with the goal and, and it was Wubens Passius with almost the last kick of the game equalizing that one. Um, this time I think they feel a little bit better because we've talked a bit about Halifax's away record and how they hadn't won a game until a couple of weeks ago when they went to York. Uh, now they're, they're showing that they're kind of learning how to get those points on the road, how to see those games out. I think they definitely felt at halftime when they were up one nil in this game, they were never going to win this game one nil. And I think they're certainly disappointed that they couldn't kind of put the, put the foot down and, and put another goal in it. They had a couple of, of chances, but I think Forge really adapted well to some of what they were doing. There's a lot of those balls over the top and kind of those, those, runs from Jordan Perucza trying to force them back that our Forge adjusted to in the second half and took some of that energy and that ability out of Halifax. I think they've definitely proven that they're incredibly hard to beat in this league, even when they go away from home. But uh, they will look at it and be maybe a, a little bit annoyed that I, I think they're second in the league now in, in, and still are and have been most of the year in points dropped from winning positions with 10. And I think all but one of those games has been away from home, which is, is going to be frustrating. That's that's the key right there. They, I, I could make the case that they could be any team, home mm-hmm. or away, definitely at home, but away was still the case becomes the more difficult to, to, to build that against them, right? In terms, against the opposition. And, and right now, where do they sit in the playoff spot? The one spot where they wouldn't play at home. You know, this is a team that knows if they get that home game and suddenly no one wants to go to Halifax and that full stadium is going to be electric. But right now, that's got to be the priority for them to try and get there, um, unquestionably. Uh, But at least, you know, again, another point uh, build on away from home. Let's go back to uh, Tim Hortons Philly and Hamilton and get the thoughts of the Wanderers coach. Here's Patrice Geiser. We're the second youngest in the league. And I have a feeling by the time the season finishes, we'll be the youngest team in the league on average age that's brave and has the desire to win and play the right way. I think those are two really dangerous things, Charlie. You know, you look at it, we have the commitment to want to press, as you saw tonight, being away on the road. We have the commitment to try to keep the ball in our own 18-yard box, which makes me nervous, but, I mean, it's exciting to see. So I think our formula is very successful in the way we have a deep team. I mean, I just said in the change room, Mo was man of the match. And Mo didn't start last week. They're, you know, future the way he wanted. He's coming off an injury, but same as Zach didn't play last week. Aiden Daniels didn't play last week. So I think our depth is going to give us a lot of energy that we need. And I think our guys have the highest level of desire to do something incredible, you know, and make this a year for all of us to remember. Great words again from Patrice. I also showed some clips post game about that press that really made Halifax mm-hmm. and Forge. You know, got Forge uncomfortable against Halifax. I shared that on Twitter as well from One Sock. If you want to go look at that, Charlie, a time for the list of the greats. Who some of the individuals who stood out above the rest here? Um, I know Mo Omar, as mentioned by Patrice, had a really good game. 
Yeah, Omar did, and I think he and, and Lorenzo Caligari did very well in the middle of the park in this game. Uh, Forge's midfield had a bit of a different look with Kadeem Kane starting in there, but so I think Caligari and Omar were able to kind of establish themselves uh, and play those those passes, those longer balls, uh, which which were effective, especially in the first half. I thought Jordan Peruzza was quite a handful for Forge's backline. He wins the penalty as well, and and he did. He did a lot when the ball did come into his feet, especially from those longer switches. He was running at center backs, forcing them back and, and trying to find space in, uh, in those areas. But I think for me, the, the biggest Halifax story continues to be that that young defense. Nimick's already been mentioned on this podcast, um, but him and Kale Lockery continue to grow and, and be incredibly solid at, at both being 22 years of age. You know, Halifax have conceded 22 goals this year, and that's joint fewest in the league along the Pacific. Nimick's played every single minute of that. And I think mm-hmm. Kale Lockery's played, started 17 out of 20 of those games. And for those guys to just step in to that lineup so quickly and, and, and handle a lot of really, really talented attacking forces in this league with such ease is astounding for me. And, and I think, you know what, <laughs> Patrice Geyser seems to say after every game that he is expecting Dan Nimick to be with the Canadian national team at some point. And I would advise that that happens soon because he's also uh, Ireland eligible and, and England eligible. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, the Republic of Ireland can always use a center back that can be I was going to say, you're, you're, about to call, you're about to call all your scouts, family members, and <laughs> everybody in Ireland. That's, it, that's exactly them. what I'm going to do if, if yeah. Canada don't call him up soon. Don't um, turn on Canada, Charlie. <laughs> For, but, okay, Forge, though, individuals. I like Kyle Becker continues to be Kyle Becker. You know, he's he's a player in the league that always gives you at like even on his worst days it's a seven out of ten and and most games it's an eight nine and sometimes he takes over completely so i think this was another another excellent performance from him um and you know betty benny batty banga continues to uh be a a force and, and a player that forge don't have or didn't have before he got there with his ability on the dribble and to drive at fullbacks and to cause problems create space and he's just got tremendous confidence to immediately fit into this team and and cause all sorts of headaches for fullbacks especially and and you know that that set piece is a, a special special strike from that player as well yeah those who don't know much about Benny Badibanga is 27 year old Belgian winger who's had over seven years of professional experience playing in the Netherlands and Belgium and obviously got his first start last week and was very good and almost got in our team of the week last week against York this time of course got will, will be in the team of the week after a fantastic strike uh, from about 25 yards out to go near post and the free kick to get a crucial point and afterwards Charlie spe- uh, caught up with Benny on the pitch at Tim Horton's feet. Charlie O'Connor-Clark alongside Benny Badibanga, All-State post-game reaction. Uh, Benny, just what a goal that was from the set piece. I think that's where we have to start. Tell me about the confidence it takes to step up and take that ball and to, to pick out a corner like that. Uh, when you when you have your back against the wall, you have to dare everything you can. So when you have the, chain, the chance, that, then uh, try and see if God is with you. <laughs> that one, yes. So... Absolutely. Thank God. It's only your second start with the club, but you already seem to have a lot of good chemistry with some of the players on the pitch. Just tell me about uh, what it's been like for you coming to this team and being able to fit into the lineup so quickly. It was a pleasure, and uh, every task from the coach was uh, clear, so it was easy for me to adapt and uh, to fix on it. I have also good play on my side, so uh, it's always easier to adapt and to adjust my game uh, 
and you see that they play with my quality, so it's easy for me to adapt myself like, in, in this kind of uh, thing. Yeah. Bobby said that you know you're a player that kind of fits the philosophy of this club, and he, he likes kind of the way that you play, especially your background in football. Tell me about what you like about the way that this club plays, and maybe how that suits your strengths. Uh, I like I, I like when you play the ball on the ground when we're there. Uh, I think we train our, uh, our entire life for that kind of thing. So for me, it's not a pleasure to kick the ball and run after it. I train all my life for, to play, so I try to play when I can. So yeah. Last word on this game. It was a tough one, right? Halifax, a good team, came here to play. Uh, tell me about kind of the mentality you guys had to have to really fight and to end up finding that equalizer? We had to have a kind of obligation. Uh, we have to. We had to fight for each other and that's what we did. Uh, even after the first goal, uh, we considered on penalty that I'm not sure that was penalty, but okay, that's a referee decision, okay. And uh, we had the, the mentality, the good, the good mentality to react and that's what we did. It would have been better with the three points, but okay. CPL table continues to get incredibly tight. Forge FC 1, Halifax Wanderers 1. Benny, thank you so much. You're welcome. Huge thanks to Benny, who I think many people are starting to really like in Hamilton. There's thousands on the pitch again after the game. If you've not been to Hamilton, by the way, the celebrations afterwards, as you can hear the party in the background, are pretty interesting. And again, it was terrifying, fun. by the way. It was <laughs> yeah. terrifying. We got invaded on the pitch like five minutes after the whistle. There's chaos trying to find players I wanted to talk to. Oh. Oh, yeah. it's crazy. Lot, Good lots stuff. Of guys, lots of guys running around. Uh, we root for chaos in the Canadian Premier League, either between the whistles or even afterwards. Uh, but thankfully, everyone was okay. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about Forge. Um, before we get your take on them, let's go back to Tim Hortons Field and listen to their head coach. Here's Bobby Smigniotis. It's a tough one. Eh? You, you look at it and you see if you were in danger. Uh, it's another game where you weren't in danger a lot. I think there's uh, five mo moments where they've played a ball for about 60, 70 yards, and one of them causes a penalty. And uh, yeah, and that's about it. You know, the rest of the time, Halifax did a good job. They worked hard, um, just uh, closing down spaces, doing everything. You know, they've gotten a goal in the in the first half, um, which obviously helps their cause and uh, closes uh, spaces on the field. So then you usually need something special and. Uh, we had some special moments in the second half. We got a very big special moment uh, with uh, with Benny's uh, Benny's goal, a goal that we needed, a goal we needed from a set piece, which we haven't had this year. Um, you know, you look back uh, in the history of uh, our club, and we're scoring upwards of you know 10 to 15 of those uh, per season. Um, so something we needed, and uh, we take the point. Uh, same way I said uh, last week, it just seems like uh, nobody wants to make movement in these landings. Familiar story uh, for Forge. I've got a stat for you here, Charlie. I'm interested to know what you think of this. Many people think of Forge as being this dominating team. This season, that certainly hasn't been the case. In fact, they've led for 461 minutes. That's 24% of their season. They've trailed for 445 minutes. That's 23.5%. Almost identical time spent trailing than winning games. Now, they've been decent recovering positions from losing from losing games. 11 points have recovered from losing positions. But what does that tell you? Is it concerning? Um, are they just average right now? Another gear? What are your overall thoughts after watching this team live again? This is one of those games for me where I look at and I think about Forge and I almost feel like a broken record again in terms of talking about how Forge are able to find a way back into the game like pretty much no other team can in the CPL. They, you know, they, they do find that extra gear, but at this point, this late in the season, I think I would be concerned that it takes going behind for them to find that extra gear. 
right. at times. Uh, I, this is something we talked about with Pacific actually a few weeks ago when I, Amir Didich brought it up because they kept getting scored on early and having to having to wake up later in games. This has happened a lot, quite a few times for Forge this year where they will fall behind and and you know whether it was against York or, or Halifax this time or I think there was the Valor game earlier in the year even where they will concede even in the first half despite playing in in many of these instances the better football on the day and having the better chances in the game but still it's that one moment that they fall behind and then they have to fight their way back into it and then they just make their own lives more difficult than they need to be and I think that's something that will be increasingly frustrating for this club and for Bobby Smirniotis because I'm not I'm really not sure what it is uh, with this team at the moment I know that they they certainly adjust in games very well and that's in large part due to the tactical identity of this club and how flexible and how how able they are to adapt on the fly and change their shape and things like that especially when they need to and identify a problem but I think teams are coming into games very very well prepared to take on the opening of a game against Forge they I think there are teams that are starting to feel like they might have figured out what they can do in the early stages against Forge to find a bit of a, a foothold in a game like that, even if you know it does often in these cases require Forge to not make the best use of their chances in the early stages, and then they fall behind. And I think with the the table like this, as as Bobby kind of alluded to, you can't really afford to be doing that anymore. Forge definitely need to be turning some of these games into wins. They need to be finding clean sheets, which is something that has been at times an issue for them as well. It's especially at home this year. Um, so I think that there are genuine concerns. Uh, in the side at the moment but as as I've said they do have a level of quality and a level of of ability in those games to get those points that that maybe other teams wouldn't when they fall behind it's just that next step is to find that level of of maybe being more ruthless because we've seen a ruthless forge in the past but it hasn't come out all that often this season yeah we spent a lot of time this on this show um earlier this show as well talking about cavalry and their ability to give away points early pacific this particularly going through it right now and and if you're forged the way that you're playing i think you'll be very happy that they've not gone to run away and hide and, and hiding away because the way that cavalry and pacific have played a lot i think they should have a bigger lead over forge but don't look now forge somehow are still there and a lot of it comes down to the fact that they have found a way to win games or come back from win games but we mentioned it 23 and a half percent of their season when they've been trailing um and then remarkably they've been behind in 13 of their 21 games um which is incredible really to think about when you think about forge usually is at the top of the league and dominating a lot of games that's not been the case so far uh, but as we alluded to and we'll show the league table shortly they are still absolutely very much in this title race all right charlie last question for you and that means time for the cpl award nomination game i'm gonna spin it here we go okay. again and uh, we've got goalkeeper of the year goalkeeper okay goalkeeper so i, I do actually i think i am starting to believe that you actually do have a wheel back there i, do. I, I, thought, I right thought you were up. just picking him um okay definitely, i'm definitely not picking him i, I got goalkeeper <laughs> of the year. it comes up in order I, I you just missed out an under 21 player of the year at number two so oh, i'd much rather i'd much rather much rather yeah, much rather talk about goalkeeper because i have Go no ahead. idea what's Four going on with under 21s um i think at this point for me in the season it's tristan henry actually i think he's been the most consistent goalkeeper in the league this year uh he's actually maybe been a little bit busier than he has in other seasons for forge but he has uh taken his game to another level he's been you know, i think more more confident, more comfortable in that net than ever. And, and I think he has been excellent this year, as, as he often is 
for Forge. So I think at this point for me, if uh, if the season ended today, that's where my vote would be going. Didn't even plan it, and it carried on talking about Forge. Look at that. There we go. All right, Charlie, stay with me. Let's take a look at the CPL standings as we head out through this game from Week 19, and look at these standings. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable to think how close this is. Cavalry, 33 points from 20. Pacific, one back on 20 games played, 32. Atletico, Ottawa, here they come. 31 points from 20, and the best team in the Canadian Premier League for two months. Forge, I also have 31, and I played one game more. Halifax, off fifth and a team like Halifax are only four points back off the top and fifth York still in it six uh, seven points off the top with 26 points from 21 Valor sliding away 20 from 20 and Vancouver 17 from 20 still eyeing up Valor for that seventh spot uh Charlie uh take away from this uh, I guess remains the four points from first to fifth yeah it's it's just ridiculous i mean how many times over the weekend even during games when a goal was scored would you look at the table and it would be completely different yeah. right uh, especially in the late stages of that vancouver pacific game and, and just before when halifax took the lead um it's it's crazy to me and and what is crazier as well is the top two and the three and four teams play each other this weekend uh so that is going to i mean it that could cause massive changes or they could both be draws and then nothing will change unless Halifax have an opportunity to beat Valor and, and really shoot up the table there a little bit. Um, every single one of those teams will absolutely tell you that they feel like they can win the title at the moment. And they're right. Any, any of those, any of those five, even six, maybe York United can, can have a bit of a, a run here. They've got some, some home stretch coming up here. Uh, any of those teams could go on a, a run, especially when you play it directly against the teams that you're competing with, which is the beauty of, of uh, an eight-team league where you don't necessarily all the time need to just pray that another team helps you with your job. You can go out and beat them yourself uh, in, in most cases. So I think that is going to be just fascinating. We've got eight games left for every team, Forge New York have seven games, and like all of those games are, are essentially going to feel like playoff games for those teams. As they should. That's what it matters. Every game matters. Let's take a look at it. You teased it. Let's look at the fixtures ahead of this week. York United against Vancouver kicks it all off on Friday night at 7 o'clock local. That's a huge game for York. Get down to York Line Stadium. That will be a special one for families there as well. On Saturday, we have a double header: Halifax versus Valor at 4 p.m. local. A big game for Halifax to continue their momentum and look to score in an eighth successive home league game for the first time. Atletico Ottawa versus Ford. You mentioned it there. Third versus fourth. And that should be a special one in the nation's capital on Saturday night at seven o'clock. And then we wrap it all up on Sunday at three o'clock local in Calgary, Alberta. And it's first versus second. We'll know a lot more next week. And of course, we'll be back on Monday to break it down. More twists and turns are definitely coming our way. Just two points now separating the top four. Four points from first and fifth and, and only seven points between first and sixth. It is truly remarkable. Charlie, thanks again. Appreciate your great work. Uh, Charlie and myself, AGR and Mitch and Benedict, we'll all be back next week to break it down. Have a good week, everybody. Just a two-man wall. Pass it, goes towards the near post and puts it off the